Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Welcome once again to Family Bridges, The Struggle is Real, Relationship Talk special series, all the way from the 2017 NARMI Summit in Denver, Colorado. I am Omar Ramos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Hi, Omar. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Ah, good to know. Joining us as always is our resident expert, Dr. Alicia Laos. She's a clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges, and also author of The Struggle is Real. Welcome, doctor. Glad to be here. Now, today's topic is, listen up, parents, it's identifying abuse, the warning signs. Now, to discuss this topic further, we've invited Robin Senesal. Robin is the project director for the National Resource Center for Healthy Marriage and Families, or ACF. She's developed and manages a multifaceted project that promotes the integration of healthy marriage and relationship education into safety net service delivery systems to help strengthen families and moving them to self-sufficiency. This project includes a dedicated web platform featuring a virtual training center and comprehensive library of over 1,300 research-based resources that promote the value of healthy relationship education and support its integration into social service delivery systems. Welcome, Ms. Senesal. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to this important discussion. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and drop the icebreaker. Before we dive into our conversation, I'd like to ask you to name, I know that you have children, Mm -hmm. um, mi querida Veronica, Mm -hmm. two positive traits you'd like the future spouse of your children to have and why. Ooh, well, you know what? Taking into consideration today's topic, I think respect is one of the main character traits that I would want. Uh, for my daughter, I have a 13-year-old daughter. Doing the research for this podcast got me thinking about the things that many women, young women go through with their boyfriends, et cetera. And I wouldn't want that for my, for my child. So I'm very excited to learn more about how to guide my daughter, how to show her or teach her uh, what those red flags would be of an unhealthy relationship, so she doesn't go into that. Maybe I'm freaking out. I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to uh, pitch the same question to you, Dr. Alicia Laos. You have uh, two babies. That's right. Same thing. I think kindness mm-hmm. and compassion and loving. Yes. Because, you know, when someone's loving and caring in its truest form, not false pseudo, you know, with the violence, but loving and, and compassionate and caring and just demonstrating a sense of empathy, that that will go a long way. Can I ask you the same? Certainly. I have boys, and I think it's my job to raise Mm -hmm. boys that you would be comfortable with your daughter dating. Yes. I think that's the important job for moms of boys. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think for mine, I believe that some of the most important traits would be things like compassion, kindness, and humility. Mm -hmm. Yes. Humility, yeah. And you well, are? you're asking me now. Yeah, you have a not, you have a daughter. Well, too. I think you uh, guys hit it right on the on the nail. You know, compassion, humility. I like that. I was mm-hmm. thinking about that just uh, momentarily. I have an 11 year old daughter. It's like a hurricane right now because she's just growing so fast, and I'm freaking out. And uh, she's about to start middle school, so these little things that I'm already thinking about. And then just the other day, we were talking about how uh, she already mentioned boys to her mom. So obviously, it's something that I start creating this mental profile of the guy that maybe in the future, hopefully when she's 80, she starts 80. <laughs> you know, yeah, for sure. Compassion. Somebody that's going to respect her, somebody that's going to support her, somebody that's going to like be there for her through thick and thin stuff like that. So hopefully she, uh, chooses wisely. Yes. We hope that too. Now we all mentioned positive traits, but not all people have a positive experience. And with that in mind, we're going to go into our first skit and then we'll come back for our discussion. Diane? Diane! Hey! Diane! Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. Diane, hi! I almost didn't recognize you. It's Diana now. Michael likes it more. 
Oh, okay, yeah, it's nice. Yes. I almost didn't recognize you with short hair. When did that happen? It frames my face better this way. Michael likes it more. I like it too. So, Diane, where have you been? It's Diana now. Sorry, it'll take me a minute to get used to that. But seriously, what's up? Why haven't you called me back? I don't know what you mean. I must have left you a dozen voicemails. I was starting to worry about you. I've been busy with Michael. I see. Well, are we still on to rent the cabin next month? In Wisconsin? Wisconsin? Yeah, it was your idea, remember? I guess I'd forgotten. Well, we could still use an extra driver. I know everyone misses you. Are you still down? Down? I don't really like cabins. The outdoors. So messy. What? Are you kidding? You taught me how to pitch a tent. How to build a fire. I mean, we'll make s'mores this time. I promise. Can Michael come? Um, no. Actually, it was just for the girls. You don't remember? It was your idea. It seems to have slipped my mind. But I can't go now. Not without Michael. Why not? It's hard for you to understand, because you're single. But we don't like to be apart. We're just one of those couples. You're acting weird. Michael takes care of me. Everything I need. Michael is everything I need. What do you mean, take care of you? You never needed anyone to take care of you before. Michael provides for me. I don't have to work. He won't let me work. I take care of his needs, and he takes care of me. What do you mean, you don't work? You quit your job? Perfect symbiosis. Diane, you love your career. What? It's Diana now. Michael likes it. Your name's Diane. It's Diane, okay? It was Diane throughout college. It was Diane throughout high school. It was Diane when you busted your leg and you needed someone to walk you a mile to the nurse's office. You'll understand one day when you find someone who can take care of you. You can take care of yourself. I know you're jealous, but I could find you someone. Michael has friends. I am not jealous. I am worried for you. For your sanity, quite frankly. Your mom was right. This guy's no good for you. This really has been pleasant. But I should be going. I'm making dinner tonight. For Michael. You hate to cook! Diane, can't you see how desperately you need to break up My name is Diana now! Diana! Not Diane! Like some piece of trailer trash! Diana! It's elegant! I'm elegant! I have everything I ever wanted! This really has been pleasant, but I should be going. Michael hates it when I'm late. Just hates it. Toodaloo! Goodbye. Diane. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, yeah. so that was... I thought I was listening to Siri there. I don't know. It was a little funny at the beginning. Oh, my goodness. So that was Alice and Diane. I guess they were best friends, and now they haven't seen each other for a while. But Diana, or Diane, is Diana now. So anyway, Diana has obviously been influenced by her new boyfriend, Michael. She changed her name. She forgot about her friends, the activities she had planned with her friends, etc. She kind of isolated herself to just be with him and not around the rest of the world that used to be there before Michael. Is that considered violence, Robin? 
Wow, it's really an unhealthy relationship. And it's interesting because a lot of times when we talk about violence within a couple relationship, we forget that it's it's really not just about violence. Mm -hmm. It's really about being abusive. And what we see here is power and control. And so what Michael has really done is create an environment where he has as much control over Diana mm -hmm. as he can, um, even to the point of making her use a different name. And we see this particularly in young women mm -hmm. uh, as a challenge because they'll start changing how they dress, what, you know, how they um, act, where they go. And it sounds like Michael's not only got her changing her name, but he's also been isolating her from, mm -hmm. from folks so he can have more control and more influence over her. He also has had her stop working. So now he has financial control over her, which is another big issue. It's interesting because Michael takes care of me. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a really positive thing. But when you drill down to what's going on with Michael, this is not a positive situation at all. This is a very unhealthy situation. It may not have gotten violent yet, but it certainly could escalate to that if he ever feels that he's losing control. Wow. I don't know if this was done purposely, but she sounded like a robot, right? So maybe, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking, it occurs to me that maybe if somebody's in a situation like this, they're so used to the environment that they're in, they become some kind of a robot. A that person doesn't realize it, but the rest of the world does. Yeah, I, I would caution that a lot of survivors of mm -hmm. domestic violence don't are not going to sound like mm -hmm. a robot. No, no, no. They're going to walk around. We completely might miss some of the signs because we might not be paying attention and they might mm -hmm. not necessarily sound so robotic. But I think the skit does draw attention that it is really out of the norm. You know, it just makes it, you know, it's so exaggerated that it does bring it to light how troubling this is. Can I ask how common is this with teens nowadays? Why does it happen? One of the interesting things that I think we're dealing with with teens particularly is that young women tend to have low self-esteem. And so it's very easy to have, you know, we don't know what Michael looks like, but if he's particularly attractive or popular, you know, a young woman would want to be with that type of young man mm -hmm. and would therefore be willing to make changes to herself to be with that young man because then she would see herself as being more popular with others. The comment that she makes about being elegant. Mm-hmm implies that perhaps she didn't see herself as elegant before, but Michael is now making her that way through these changes. So I think it's very common and it's something that we need to be very cautious about with particularly young women. This type of relationship, unhealthy relationship can work both ways. There are young women who are power and control freaks as well mm -hmm. and who can be abusive. Yeah. In this scenario, you know, we're dealing with a young man who's that way, but it's definitely very common, much more common, I think, than people realize. And especially in a society that allows more hostility and more aggression and more violence and we're more tolerant of that than I think we were in generations past. Quick facts that I'd like to share with you that we found from loveisrespect.org. This is happening not only to young women in their 20s, but also to teens. Girls and young women between the ages of 16 and 24 experience the highest rate of intimate partner violence, almost triple the national average. What are some of the clear signs of dating abuse, Robin, physical, mental, or emotional that we can teach our kids to be aware of those red flags that we were talking about? I think one of the first things that we need to teach our young people is to be self-aware mm -hmm. and to have confidence in themselves. I think those are some of the things that we can do preventatively to teach them that they are special, not snowflake special, but that they are special and unique in who they are. So whenever 
a young woman finds herself in a situation where she's making changes solely because Michael likes it, Mm -hmm. then that's a red flag. When you find yourself cutting your hair because this particular person says you should or wearing certain clothes because this particular person Mm -hmm. says you should. And this has never been part of the context in your life. Your other friends haven't said you need a haircut or Mm -hmm. you need to dress differently. I think those are the red flags we can watch for. And I think for parents, particularly seeing these changes, having these changes unexplained or having these changes come up in conversation as, well, Michael says, Michael says, or whoever the young man in her life is, you know, when, when you find as a parent that you're child is making comments like that, it's time to have a conversation. And there's a really good tool that can be used as part of the discussion, the power and control wheel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really, really good tool that could be casually left on a coffee table for your youngster to see, and they might see some of their relationship issues in that particular tool. Where do we get that tool? You can actually access it on the website, the National Resource Center for Healthy Marriage and Families website. But it it talks about the different types of power and control, and it gets into things like isolation, finances, all of these different areas that we've heard in this scenario, even to for older couples, it also gets into how people use intimidation and the children Mm -hmm. are often manipulated as part of this. Again, it's really about power and control. It's not that people are just violent by nature. In the case of domestic violence, it's usually just about trying to control someone. That's just important to stress because what you will see is that the person is able to control their anger, sort of say in other context. So they could get provoked in the road. They can get provoked at work and you're not going to see them act in that kind of situation and, you know, where they're raging, whether it's emotionally or so it's, it's a different context. It's a different situation that's happening. Dr. Alicia Leos, I'd like to pitch this uh, question to you. It's a lot easier as an outsider to kind of suspect abuses going on, but why is it so hard for the victim to realize that they're in the situation and they're just falling into this abyss of abuse? One of the reasons is if you've grown up with violence in your own home, and this is just what you know and you live by, then you end up perhaps, it doesn't mean that because you experienced violence that you're going to be end up in a domestic violence mm-hmm. situation in the future. But if you've lived through it into your childhood, it's what you've known Oftentimes people don't know that the abuse is, is wrong. And so we have clinically, I've, I've talked to and, and worked with a lot of clients who, who just didn't know what the difference between that abuse was wrong. Physical abuse as well as emotional abuse was wrong. So that's, that's a big, the big one. Another one is attachment and love is actually very powerful. It's a very powerful drug, if you will. The cycle of domestic violence is one that it really leans heavily on that love hormone in those moments. And so individuals get very attached to it. So for example, think of a couple that just gets married and once they get married, what do they experience? It's the honeymoon, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. Then we say, oh, you know, that's going to end. And then after the honeymoon stage, reality is going to set in and yeah. you're going to start getting aggravated a little, a little issues. What happens in a domestic violence relationship is that you have that those moments that are described as a honeymoon experience in the sense that the batterer will, you know, provide flowers and chocolate and gifts, beautiful words, do so much to paint a beautiful picture of hope. Then the the victim just feels really attached and says, oh, you know, I'm just going to forgive him because it was a mistake. You know, they asked for forgiveness. Well, 
the pattern then repeats itself and the pattern could repeat itself in terms of violence in a day and a week and a month in term, it just varies from relationship to relationship but it's not too long until it precipitates another violent act yeah. of aggression again emotionally or physically and then that is followed by another honeymoon type of experience of let me apologize and so those moments are moments that are clinged onto and then the third thing is the fear of losing of having to deal with hope so for example if i recognize that my situation is awful and terrible that means i have to go back and grieve mm. a long period of being in and a relation yeah. and i just prefer to live in this than having to have to deal with that it's yeah i've seen situations i just wanted to insert this quickly here where sticks to my head i i remember being somewhere and this guy just completely yelled at his girlfriend in front of everyone i mean i felt bad for her and he just kept on just pounding her with words and stuff i was like man should i say something like do tone it down a little mm -hmm. bit you know and then right after not even 30 seconds after she comes up to him and she's like you know i love you i'm sorry if i did anything wrong and i was like my god she was like maybe 20, 22 years old. And I was like, goodness, you know, maybe I, mm -hmm. I was assuming that maybe somebody at that age would rationalize and be like, why did you just embarrass me in front of everyone? I don't need this. But no, she was like, he was in a bad, having a bad day and mm -hmm. took it out on her in front of everyone. So it was like, wow, those kind of things do kind of make you think, right? Is, the it, last, is, the, is yeah. it a cycle? Is that? Yeah, the cycle. And the last thing I'll add to that is also it's enforced sometimes by family and cultural traditions. Mm -hmm. So we've had clients where they've said that they've been physically abused in front of the family members and they've all proved mm -hmm. as part of the norm. And That's so horrible. sometimes it's a cultural, it's shocking, familial sad, sure. situation. Yeah. And going back to something that you said about growing up in an environment where mm -hmm. this behavior is accepted, and sometimes it's not even the degree of violence, mm -hmm. but the degree of roles. Mm -hmm. You have specific roles and the, the man is the dominant role and therefore the female has to be the submissive. Mm -hmm. And so you see it as normal to be told by your partner mm -hmm. how you should do things and what you should do. And I also think sometimes these relationships are like walking into the ocean. I mean, you start off, everything is beautiful. They love you. They're going to take care of you. They're buying you gifts. They're telling you how great you are. And then progressively, you get into this situation where by the time you actually realize what's going on, you're in the deep water mm -hmm. and it's hard to get back out. You may have children, you may have no financial mm -hmm. support outside of this relationship. And so it makes it harder and harder for you to just walk away because you don't mm -hmm. have anything to walk to. Mm -hmm. A lot of constraints. And with a lot of couples or individuals that are immigrants, also the immigration papers are used as another mm. um, factor in order to m maintain them subjugated. To, to control people. Mm -hmm. wow. wow. And the LGBT community, mm -hmm. they're often threatened with being outed. This is not just a male-female relationship mm -hmm. issue. Yeah. Um, any relationship can experience unhealthy behaviors. Wow. Well, with that said, we're going to go into our next skit. It's going to resonate with something that you mentioned already. This is called Look in the Mirror. Babe. Babe. Man, how much more time do you need, babe? We don't have all night. I know. Just give me a minute. You always take so long. And I always appreciate your patience. Have a seat. I'm almost done. Fine. <gasps> oh, is that what you're wearing? You don't like it? It looks bad from the back. Makes your thighs look big. Well, I can put something else on if you don't mind waiting. Nah, nah, it's fine. No one's gonna be looking at your legs. We're just sitting all night. Whose house are we going to again? I told you. My buddy Jim's. He's like 
my oldest friend. That's why I told you to look hot. I thought Dan was your oldest friend. Yep, that's wrong. Oh. And what are we going to watch? The UFC title fight. Who's fighting? You're... You won't remember. Jeez, are you really going to put on that much eye makeup? You think it's too much? Uh, a bit. Okay, calm down. God, we're going to miss Dewey versus Holloway. We're going to miss the fight? You told me 7.30. No, 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 not the fight, the opener. Man, do you know anything? No about UFC? No. There. How's that? Good? (laughs) Are you kidding me? You look like a vampire. Can I just put jeans on like you? We're just going over there to watch TV. No, 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 don't, don't, don't take your makeup off. You need it. You know, it doesn't help to have you critiquing everything I do. Yeah, we don't have time for this. Can you just fix your face? Make it look better. You know what? I don't feel like going. <laughs> Babe, of course you do. No. You know, they're not even my friends, and you're just being mean. Go without me. Fine. Fine, fine. You can wear whatever you want. I won't say anything. Just... Would you hurry up a little? I told you, I don't want to go. No, babe, really, I I won't say anything else mean to you. Is that an incentive for me to spend time with you? Wait, what? You shouldn't say anything mean to me because you like me. Not because you want me to hang out with you. Why don't you just leave? Go to the game. I don't think it's this is working anymore. It's not a game, anymore. it's a fight. Wait, what? This isn't working anymore. I just want you to go. Babe, are you serious? You're awful to me. You make me feel awful. I don't want to be around you. Come on, I was just joking. Your jokes aren't funny. Please, Nina, come on. Don't do me like this. I like you. I don't think I like you. Just go. All right. Fine. You know what? Fine. And that dress makes you look fat. (laughs) Okay, then. Have a great night. I will. Right. Well, that was Nina and her boyfriend, Terry. He set up this whole situation, right? He's having this game with his friend, etc. He asks her to dress up hot, to look hot or whatever. And then he's complaining. The control is all over the place. What's, what's happening, Robin? Well, you know, it, it's almost narcissistic that he wants her to look hot so that he looks like he's got this trophy that he's mm-hmm. bringing to the party, you know. So that that was my first thought. And then the eye makeup and it just goes on from there. He's really trying to control the whole situation. So it's almost like he wants her to look a certain way. So his friends think she's hot, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want her to think she looks good. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, you know, If there's listeners out there and they've experienced moments where they're just being verbally bashed in this example, it's being physically attacked by the way you look emotionally, you know, Mm -hmm. verbally, and you just feel awful and defensive about it. That's a warning sign. Something is wrong. Someone that loves you is not trying to create a trophy out of you and do plastic surgery on you, (laughs) you know, with the way you look. That's just wrong. And so that's a big, listen to that gut, that feeling that Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good and don't try to justify it or minimize that because that that's a huge warning sign that, that that's not a healthy relationship. Thankfully, she picked it up and she just left them. But what happens, maybe like Omar was mentioning earlier, what if she comes back and the cycle keeps going? It could happen. It could happen. Fortunately for her, she had that willpower to break it off mm-hmm. and be like, make this decision because she wasn't comfortable with that kind of treatment anymore. And obviously he had, okay, yeah, like you said, he probably wanted to show up with someone that looked like a trophy. But then when she actually did come out of the restroom, 
he's like, whoa, we're going to a fight. There's going to be other guys there. They're going to stare at her, and I'm going to feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's not about her. It's about how you're going to feel when you, you know, maybe this guy has some kind of, like, self-esteem issues as well, and he's very insecure about himself, and he feels that if he takes his woman somewhere else and there's some other dude there that's maybe better looking than he is, you might run into some uh, a challenging situation, right? You know, I just want to add that it takes a lot of courage for women like Terry to break off yeah. mm-hmm. relationships Correct. that are abusive because one of the reasons why victims end up being in situations like this and staying in, in abusive relationships is because of fear. Mm-hmm. You've got what's called intimate terrorism and it's called terrorism for a mm. reason. And some men will take their cat and literally put a knife to the cat and say, I'm going to do this to you if you don't do this this way. So it's a very serious threat to life as well. And so women that do take the courage to break off, there's different degrees and there's different continuums. And mm-hmm. in this relationship, we don't know how, how involved they were. But you know, thankfully, Terry recognized that it wasn't good and she pulled out. But individuals do get sucked into relationships pretty fast as we've mm-hmm. talked through. And they get involved very quickly in relationships that are toxic and very threatening. And, and women do often feel trapped and it is very difficult for them to step up. That's why we encourage women to get a lot of resources. It's nothing to take lightly. I'm just wondering, we were talking about what kind of uh, people are susceptible to falling into a, an abusive cycle, but the abuser himself, is, is there a certain target, a certain person that they're looking for? Somebody that already looks maybe emotionally broken down? Since it is about power and control, obviously you want to select a victim that you think you can control easier than one you can't. So Mm. they're obviously not looking for independent, self-reliant women who are confident and not interested in all that nonsense. But I want to go back to something that was said about the dangers and leaving and so forth. Statistically, women may leave up to seven times before they actually stay gone. So. They can come back and come back and come back and get sucked back into this vortex multiple times before they actually have the fortitude and the resources to get themselves out and completely away from a situation like this. So it it is a very challenging situation. The example of a cat is a perfect example of how the abuse escalates. Mm -hmm. And it is most lethal at the time when a woman actually makes the decision to leave Leave, where she, where he feels that she is really leaving this time. That's when it can be the most lethal. You know, we all have issues. It's how we deal with our issues. Mm -hmm. And so I think that folks who fall into the pattern of being abusers, they have their own issues. They may have grown up in an environment where this was acceptable. They may have self-worth issues. And this may be the way that they feel that they can compensate for that by being in charge of the situation. There's all kind of stuff that leads to it. And I really would encourage anyone to seek out resources, whether Mm -hmm. they feel that they have those tendencies towards a partner. I think that's important to recognize and get help just as much as it is on the victim side for someone who finds himself in that situation to reach out and get resources. And parents as well, if you see these behaviors in your young men, you need to call them out on it. Mm -hmm. And a good indicator of how a man is going to treat a woman is how he treats his mother. And that is really not a joke. That is really true. Mm -hmm. If he's raised to respect his mom, that shows that he was raised in a home where women are respected and they carry that forward. Likewise, if he's raised in an environment where he was not expected to respect his mother or sisters Mm -hmm. or other women in the Mm -hmm. family, Mm -hmm. aunts and so forth, it carries forward. So I think those are some things that people can watch for. Wow. I'm going to share another uh, quick fact here. Nearly half of dating college women, 40%, report experiencing violent and abusive dating behaviors. Now, we would think these are college women. These are women that want to be independent women that are going for a career, etc. 
But many of them, 57% of them say it's difficult to identify when it's violent, when it's an abusive relationship. Why is that happening? Is it because maybe it's not a physical abuse, it's some other type of abuse? Or why is it so hard for them to identify the abuse? I think one of the things we heard in this last little skit is, you know, he said all these things and then he came back with, I'm, I, I was just joking. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think sometimes the mixed messages and the he's nice, maybe it's just an off day. I think we tend to rationalize because we want to be in a relationship. So we rationalize some of the behaviors and sometimes we over rationalize. Mm-hmm. Excuse it, minimize it. And also we just are growing up, in, like you said earlier, we're growing up in a society and a culture that's very aggressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many violent videos are in YouTube nowadays? Oh, my goodness. People are streaming, wow. yeah. streaming live, you know, deaths and abuses. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think there's a lack of indifference towards mm-hmm. violence. And so the lines are not as clearly defined it's more accepted, unfortunately. They're being desensitized by technology sometimes as well. Now, yeah. there's yeah. also another fact here. The one in three dating college students say that they've given their dating partner their computer, email, or social network passwords. And those students are more likely to experience digital dating abuse. What is that? Digital dating abuse. <laughs> oh, well, first of all, you should never have to give anyone that you're mm-hmm. dating your passwords to anything. There should be a level of trust. And yeah. I think that that would be the very first red flag. Mm-hmm. If somebody is asking for your passwords, it's because they don't trust you. That's yeah. a big red flag. Yeah. And if you've done something that's created this lack of trust, that's a different conversation. But if you've not, then I would totally not give up your passwords. Yeah. But digital, that's just kind of crazy. Yes. But that's where we are now. Everything happens on social media, Instagram, Twitter. It's all over the place. Right now, one of the biggest um, components of abuse when it comes to digital is that the perpetrator will be constantly texting the victim oh, and goodness. it will do that at all times of hours at night, doesn't let them sleep, disrupts their sleep, and then is actually expecting them to respond mm-hmm. within yes. minutes and seconds. And if they don't, then the threat God forbid oh, if you don't. is oh, there. Respond right. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You mentioned that. And I just remembered a person that I know was just telling me this this weekend with her boyfriend. He's the type of guy that seems like he's a very calm guy. He was upset over something small. She went to work, et cetera. He said, oh, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. I, there's nothing wrong. There's something wrong. But as soon as she got to work, he started texting her, like blast texting her, like really abusive <clears throat> with foul language. I mean, he was like, yeah. she says, I don't know where he's coming. It, I'll show you the text. And it was like a whole history. He seems like he wouldn't hurt a fly. Psycho. Why? What can women do? And she thinks, well, I guess I told her, well, you got to talk to him. You got to do something about it. She says, no, because then he's, when we go back home, he's going to be fine. Yeah, because he's back in his comfort zone. But I just think that if somebody, sorry for him, uh-huh. but if a guy or a woman starts texting you out like that at work and they don't respect the fact that you're at work and they're doing this to kind of distract you from what you're doing. I mean, that's or like anywhere. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is specifically right now that he's doing this at work, knowing that she's there or anywhere, of course. I mean, that's a huge red flag for sure. So one of the things that I would suggest in a situation like that mm-hmm. is the first thing that should happen is send a text back and say, we can discuss this at another time. Of course. If you have a certain time you want to discuss it, then do that. And then either turn the phone off or block the number and stop it from disrupting your day because mentally it's going to take you out of your game and you're going to be all messed up. But it's really, again, about control. This individual is trying to control the conversation and the timing of when the conversation takes place. Mm -hmm. You need to take back control. The other thing on the social media and the texting thing that I would, would just strongly recommend that young people don't do 
um, and parents watch for these types of things is no sexting. Mm-hmm. No, you should never allow anyone to have pictures of you that you would not want to see on the front cover of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. You just should not because you never know what's going to happen. And if you are in that kind of relationship where someone is trying to be abusive, they can use them against you. So I would just strongly encourage there is really no reason for you to send naked pictures of yourself to anyone. Especially over the phone. Right? Especially <laughs> over the phone. Don't and do it. And if you're under 18. <laughs> Please don't do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, no. It's going to get really ugly then with the parents as well. Okay. Well, let's go to our next skit. We've been talking about women a lot. We're going to see a different case this time. This is called <laughs> Not What You Thought. <laughs> Good morning. Hey, Brett. How are you, man? Fine, fine. How was your weekend? Oh, you know, binge-watched some TV. You? Yeah, that's what I did. Oh, what'd you watch? Um, I watched, uh, what did I watch? Um, (laughs) uh, Are you all right? What? I just mean, are are you okay? You're acting kind of space cadet. Oh, yeah, you know, just too much coffee, I guess. Oh, man, I get the same way, believe me. Are you cold? It's like 90 degrees outside. Hmm? You're wearing a sweater. Do you want me to turn down the air conditioning? Oh, no, no, I'm just, it's fine. No, I'll turn it down. Don't do that on account of me. Honestly, man, if you're cold, the entire office is probably freezing. You know, I, I can't gauge these things. I run so hot. No, I was just covering up. I had a bit of an accident this weekend in the car. Are you okay? Yes, yes. I mean, stupid me. Just, you know, wasn't paying attention. Nearly hit the car in front of me. Anyway, the uh, seatbelt snapped back on me, something awful, and just bruised the heck out of me. Uh, I'm so sorry. Is your car okay? Uh, yeah, not a scratch on it. I mean, thank God. <laughs> but you hurt your hand. What? You said you bruised your shoulder, but you have that big cut on your hand. Oh, that. Yeah. I, um, I, uh, I I was just washing wine glasses last night, and I can be a real klutz, you know, so. Sounds like you had a rough weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Not my finest moments, that's for sure. I mean, Shania apologized, though, which is, you know, sweet. What, Shania? Sorry? You said, you just said Shania apologized. Apologized for what? Oh, to, to... To, to make me feel better. I, I, sorry. Did I mention I had too much coffee? I mean, thinking of switching to decaf or tea or something, or just cutting it out altogether. I, I tell you. Huh. I'm going to run to the storage room. Uh, I'm out of tape. And do, do you need anything? No. No, no I, I, I don't need anything. Do, do you? Just that tape. <laughs> no, Brett, I mean, do you need anything? Can I help you? What do you mean? Nothing. Never mind. I, I, I don't need anything. Thanks. All right, then. I'll be at my desk. Okay, so we're back, and we can pretty much understand what's going on here. You know, everybody's fair game when it comes to abuse. And we just heard Brett trying to cover up what's evidently going on with his uh, girlfriend, Shania. And even though his coworker Sam picked up that, you know, that something was going on, he decided not to leave it alone. 
Robin, why is opening up about a violent situation with your significant other, in this case his girlfriend, like a taboo to this young man? Well, for men, it's not the traditional way of abuse that we think about. But for men, there's an expectation that they be strong and that they be this, you know, macho kind of guy. So the idea that your wife or girlfriend is attacking you physically is just not acceptable. That's just not normal. Like you should be able to control her. It becomes kind of embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Aside from all the emotional stuff that's going on in the relationship and how he feels about his girlfriend or and the situation now he's got to deal with she's left visible marks and he's got to go out in public and now he's making excuses for it because he just doesn't want to admit it we are seeing the numbers of violence against men Mm -hmm. increasing we are seeing an increase and it's not really clear whether that's an actual increase in number of violent episodes or more willingness to come forward but it is unfortunate it totally happens and it happens even with young women Mm mm-hmm towards young men. But one of the signs also that's both for men and women is the covering up. So that is something that you will see. And it's also the excuses for just, Mm -hmm. you know, I fell and it's, and it's repeated. So it's like this weekend was this and this week was that. And and it just keeps going. I will just also touch upon that. It does not, you know, just earlier we asked the question, is there one person or something that this happens more to than the Mm -hmm. others? And I just wanted to add that this crosses all SES levels, all social economic levels Mm -hmm. and all sorts of races as well. So it's not like there's a specific population or, or someone that's, you know, we're not going to do a racial profiling on them domestic violence. It's across different demographics. I just wanted to highlight that. What can we teach our young boys as far as, yes, we already talked about being a a good boyfriend or not mistreating their girlfriend, but if they're on the other side, what can we tell them about reporting and that it's not okay to get hit or to get abused? Well, well, if you'll indulge me just a moment, I had an an incident with one of my sons Mm. on this topic. Mm where he was a senior in high school and he was attacked by his girlfriend in the parking lot with a golf club. Oh, wow. And the school resource officer came out and immediately assumed my son was the aggressor. And (laughs) and so once he realized that my son wasn't the aggressor, they did not do a report. Why? Because it wasn't this guy who had attacked this girl. So he, the school resource officer just saw it as a different kind of scenario. I found out about the incident and then there were 135 texts that came across his phone from this young lady. And so I went back up to the school myself. And this is what I would encourage parents to do. Mm -hmm. You have to have open lines of communication with your kids. And that doesn't start when they're teenagers. Mm -hmm. You need to start talking to them when they're little about how people should treat them and how they should treat people. Mm -hmm. And you should continue these conversations so that when your child gets in a situation where they're having this challenge and they need to be able to come to you and say, I don't know what to do with this situation. In my case, I recognized that there were some, that he was stressed about something. And so I asked questions and took the phone. As a parent, if I'm paying for the phone, Mm -hmm. I have access to the phone. I do not believe in privacy when it comes to children and things like that. And so I saw the text and I took the phone with me to school and demanded to speak with the other parent, the school resource officer, the dean and the counselor. And we resolved it that day. But, you know, if I hadn't been paying attention, it could have gotten a whole lot worse. So I think parents have to be vigilant with their boys. We cannot create separate standards. Mm -hmm. We cannot teach boys that being aggressive is acceptable. We need to teach them that everyone deserves respect and, you know, hands off, keep your hands to yourself and all that Mm -hmm. stuff we tell them when they're little. But we also need to teach them that if they are being mistreated by someone, especially because if we've raised them to believe that they can't touch, they shouldn't hit a girl. 
mm-hmm. then they need to understand that when she crosses the line, mm-hmm. then the rules change. You, you need to defend yourself, but you also need to seek help and get out of that situation. Yeah, that was key. Parental intervention can help out a lot as well. Veronica? Do you have anything else to add to this conversation? It's been a great conversation. Dr. Our, our time is up. <laughs> <laughs> I think as it relates to parents, um, Robin just mentioned it really well. We really need to think about every opportunity that we have. We're teaching our kids to be in relationship in the future. And, you know, we see, I see it in my neighborhood, sometimes kids just boys to boys fighting and you're like, oh, that's okay. They're just boys. We got to step back and think as parents, what kind of messaging are we giving to them? that violence is okay. And whether it's at home that we fight or we resort to anger, they're seeing that as well, um, or emotionally abusive, they're, they're seeing how we respond and how we react and they're taking that on. Um, and then the second takeaway is let's teach, let's talk about violence in our homes with our kids. Let's teach them. These are the warning signs. This, these kinds of things, when you're seeing them, whether it's in yourself or even with friends, we need to advocate for ourselves and actually demand respect for ourselves. And also when we're seeing signs and we're concerned about others, it's important to speak up and advocate for the least of these as well. And so I think as parents, let's have conversations about what violence is, what healthy relationships is, that power and control, that feeling a sense of being squished and oppressed is not okay. And if you've got that hunch and that feeling, run away, walk out, get help to get out, and don't don't stay stuck in a situation that's toxic and dangerous. Don't fight back also. And I'm just adding that there because I've, I've had conversations uh, with um, students and parents and the authorities, and the authorities always say, walk away, do not fight back. Because as soon as you fight back, you know, if that person has marks in them as well, you know, most likely two people are going to get arrested. So I just wanted to add that real quick. So um, our time is up. Uh, Thank you both for helping us increase awareness of abusive relationships. Now, if somebody wants to have access to more information as far as your practice and everything that you do, where can we find you on social media? Sure. You can, um, you can certainly go to our website, healthymarriageandfamilies.org. And we are also on Twitter and LinkedIn. So you can find us there. Twitter is marriage, R-E-S-C-T-R. And one of the other things about the resource center that I'll mention is if you go to the website, in addition to being able to contact us through that, and there's tons of resources in the library and the virtual training center, we actually have a violence prevention toolkit course that folks can access for free. Everything we do is free and it's all research-based and available to anyone. But we also have a phone number and uh, an email address. So if people go to the website and want to call and ask questions, we can certainly respond to that. Thank you. Thank you for that. To all of our listeners, thank you for listening again to the Struggle is Real on this Relationship Talk series. Download the Struggle is Real app so that you don't miss one topic. In our next episode, Marriage or Baby Carriage, we'll be talking about helping kids look ahead with special guest Alexandra Salomon. That's right. More resources are available on our Family Bridges app, plus blogs, tips, and more on social media with hashtag The Struggle is Real or hashtag TSIR. Thank you for checking us out. My name is Omar Ramos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Till next next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.